You are such a good God to us, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord so aptly laying at our table this day and each day. By day, <laughs> day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day. My day, amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that is lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. <laughs> That's good. We can kill it right there. That's good. That's good. I think y'all got the gist of the video clip. One of the best movies of all time and one of the best scenes. And because it's about prayer, I have the excuse to show it as many times as I want. <laughs> I love that video clip. All right, we are talking, like I said today, we're going to talk about the subject of prayer. And what we are going to hopefully, hopefully get to by the end of this uh, series, which we'll be talking about the next three weeks, is we need a revival in our lives of prayer. Let's do this. Let me do a show of hands. Of course, I know everybody here knows about the importance of prayer, but raise your hand if you feel like your prayer life could use a boost these days. Raise your hand. Very good. I want everyone to uh, keep those hands up. Everyone look around. All right, look around. And what you're going to see, you can put your hands down now, what you're going to see is that prayer is a topic that every single one of us needs to talk more, sorry, not to talk more about, but to do more of. Because what I discovered about prayer, every one of us could talk about it, tell you the importance of it, and give you a sermon about it, and quote all the verses about it, but when it comes down to actually doing it, that's where we struggle. And I'll do like a confession right here at the top. I stink at prayer. I'll do a confession. I stink at prayer. There's some things that I'm good at and some things that I'm not good at. Bible, I'm pretty good at. I love to read my Bible. Like it's e- not, I don't want to say it's easy, but I really enjoy that. Service, like church stuff, church prayers, like that stuff, I'm good at that stuff. Prayer is the hardest thing in the world for me. And I honestly believe, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me. I feel like I used to be better at it, but I feel like it's harder to pray today than it was to pray five years ago. Am I the only one who thinks that? I feel like it's harder to pray today because I used to be able to pray. I used to be able to stand, I used to be able to kneel, I used to get up in an early morning excited to pray. And now I feel like there's a worldwide warfare against prayer. Because every single one of us is more distracted than we've ever been before, and it's more difficult for us to focus on prayer, and not one of us thinks any less of the importance of prayer, but somehow that doesn't translate in our day-to-day lives. That's why we as a church, we want to talk about this issue now. Because if God is going to do anything in us and through us, it has to be through prayer. Like our, our, our ceiling of where we're going to be as individuals and as a church, and those who heard me before I say the two are the same, because when God, I don't want to just pray God do something in our church, because I want to pray God do something in us, and if God does something in us, and you're a member of the church, then God will do something in the church. So our ceiling is very low without prayer. If your prayer life is, then your ceiling, you have a low ceiling. 
But what prayer does is it opens the door, or opens the ceiling, I should say, to new levels and new realms. That's why it's really important that we do something about this and not just accept the fact that we're not good at prayer. First, let's ask the question, why is it that we don't pray more? Why is it that we don't pray more? Again, I'm going on the assumption that everyone here knows they need to pray. But why is it that we don't pray more? I'll give you a few reasons why I think. I think, number one, we're not sure how to pray. And that beautiful video showed us an example of someone who knows that, he's, especially for him in the situation, he's trying to impress those are his future in-laws. He's going to ask the girl his hand in marriage. So he knows he needs to pray, but uh, he's not quite sure what to say. So he ended up doing that day-by-day -day thing, okay, which is apparently like a Beatles song or something like that. It's a famous song or something like that. My favorite part was when she's like, he's Jewish, she's like, I'm not a rabbi or anything. <laughs> so we know that we should pray, but we're kind of insecure. I'm like, am I saying the right things? Am I doing the right things? Am I too long? Am I too short? Are these like legal requests? Are these bad requests? We're not sure how to pray. Number two, we can't focus while we pray. We can't focus. This is me. This is my one. Is that I stand and I'm ready to pray. All right, and I'm ready to go and I'm all psyched up and I'm ready to go. And I'm in the Father and the Son and the Our Father and I'm ready to go and I'm praying. And next thing you know, look at the little birdie that just flew by the window. All right, back to prayer and I'm back to prayer and then, and got to get a tissue. And I'm like, okay, no, I'll get the tissue after the prayer. But then the whole time in prayer, I'm sniffling and I'm annoying myself. So I go get the tissue. As soon as you come back, you realize, got to go to the bathroom. I don't know why. I'm telling you, I go all day without going to the bathroom. Once the prayer time begins, got to go. And it can't focus. And there's a million things that are distracting. And if you live in a house, if you got kids, forget about it. Right? You have 10,000 more distractions available to you on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. Number three. We think our requests are trivial, or we think our requests are wrong. We feel as if there's certain things that it's okay to ask for, and there's other things that it's like not okay to ask for. And we're, we sometimes we treat God as like, God is like, like this busy CEO of our company. Like he's the CEO, and we're just like the first level guy, and like, I don't like the condiments in the break room. So I, I can go to the CEO and say like, Give us, you know, more tartar sauce or something like that in the break room. That's trivial, you know. So I can't ask for that. But the tartar sauce is what's on my mind. And, then I, I, and I treat God like, I don't know if I'm supposed to ask these things. And then fourth, is we're not really sure in the end if our prayers will make any difference. You've said this before, haven't you? If God already knows what I want and God already knows what's best to do, what's the benefit of praying? Like, God's going to do what's best, right? God knows what I want, so why should I pray? Will my prayers make any difference? I prayed last week, it didn't make any difference. I prayed the week before, that didn't make any difference either. Why, uh, why should I be convinced that today is so important for me to pray when I went so many days in my life and I never prayed? Look, all of these reasons are normal. That's the first thing I want you to realize, is they're normal and they're common. Every one of us can say yes to at least one of these and probably two or three, if not all four. It's not bad to struggle with these. What's bad is if you don't do anything about it. Like, like struggles in your prayer life or in any area of life are kind of like a cold. Okay, when you get a cold, is that the end of the world? No, everyone gets a cold. But if you've had a cold for 15 years, that's a serious situation. So it's okay to get a cold. 
It's okay to have some doubts about prayer, some struggles with prayer, but you can't accept it. You got to do whatever it is you can to get healing from this. Why? Because if you don't, like I said, you are limiting what God is going to do in your life. Let's come up with a working definition of what prayer is so we can kind of base our series on that. If I had to say, what is prayer? I would say prayer is conversating with God. I know some people like to guess my, uh, my fill in the blanks. And some people are probably going to put communicating with God. But I put conversating. I know it's not a real word, but it, it depicts what I want. Which is that prayer is a conversation. Conversation. That's what <laughs> prayer is. It's not a communication. Because commun I'm not saying it's not a communication, but communication is like a memo that I send up the little tube up to the third floor. That's not what I want the picture of prayer to be in your minds. I want prayer to be conversating with God. Conversation that goes back and forth. It has smiles. It sometimes has tears. It sometimes is free-flowing. It sometimes is more of a difficult. It's a conversation. There's no set pattern to it. But that's the way our prayer is supposed to be with God. When you pray, whether you realize it or don't realize it, but you are conversating with the most important person in the world. I was trying to think last night of like what would be like a good analogy, all right, of like you have an important meeting, an important conversation with someone. So I was going to say, you know, you have an appointment with like, um, you know, the President of the United States of America. But I know that that might elicit certain things of like, stay away from politics, don't go there. So I said, okay, Michael Jordan, that's the easy one. But I'm like, well, some people may not be into basketball. So plug in your own name here of someone that you would be very nervous to talk to. Like, think of someone, if you're like a business person, like the most important person in your field. If you're like an IT guy and you're in, uh, then I was gonna say Steve Jobs, but I know he's not around anymore, then I couldn't think of anyone after that. So if you're an IT guy, whoever the next Steve Jobs is, all right, or if you're in the field of, you know, whatever, you're a, a chef, you know what I mean? Like Chef Boyardee or something like that, like whatever, okay? For me, I remember, I told you all this story before, that one time I got a chance to meet one of my heroes in life, and it's not Michael Jordan, it's not a sports guy, all right? I got to meet Rick Warren. Y'all know who Rick Warren is, right? Rick Warren is the pastor of a church out in uh, California. But more importantly, he's written many books, including The Purpose Driven Life. All right? He's the author of all that stuff. And I just have tremendous admiration and respect for the guy. I've seen him at conferences before. And I, you can tell who is like a real man of God and who is whatever. He's a real man of God. And I know a lot of people criticize him, whatever, but he's someone that I have tremendous admiration for and respect for. Well, long story short, I was out in L.A. and somebody arranged it. Somebody talked me up as if I'm somebody important and said, Father Anthony from the Coptic Church is out here in L.A. So Rick Warren said, sure, I'd love to meet with him. And I was like, really? So I got, I, I woke up in the morning. I'm flying that day at like noon. I woke up in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. I checked my email and I had an email from Rick Warren himself saying I can't wait to meet Father Anthony today. And he was inviting me not just to meet with him, but actually he said, come have dinner. Okay, and he was going to arrange a little dinner and stuff like that. So, of course, like, I'm like giddy like a schoolgirl. Right? And I don't know what I'm going to do. I meet this guy, but I've got to pretend I'm A, important. 
right? And be like someone, like I have a purpose and stuff like that. So all I could think about for the rest of the day was what I'm going to say. Like I had to have a strategy. Like I'm going to go in, I'm going to talk about A, B, C, and D. I may throw in E and F, but really, I'm going to play this and kind of see how it goes. I had a plan, I had a strategy. I'm not just going to wander in there 15 minutes late. I was like an hour and a half early, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to wander in there 15 minutes late and be like, uh, you know, like, what, what's your name again? Or like, hi, how you doing? Like, no, I had an appointment with, with somebody important. Well, times a bazillion is your appointment with God in prayer. But the difference between me and Rick and you and God... I call him Rick, okay? <laughs> the difference is, it's not a one-time appointment. It's every single day you're invited to have dinner with the most important person in the whole wide world, whoever that is to you. You are invited every single day that you can go in there and everyone else is waiting in line over there and some guy comes to you and says, hey, you come in the back door here. I got a special spot for you. And there's a meal just sitting right there for you. Not just once a day, not just twice a day, but as many times as you want to go into the throne room of the great I am of the great I am, you're welcome into that throne room that you are invited in. And even the Bible says, I want you to come boldly as many times as you want to enter. That's why the name of this series is the ultimate conversation. Because that's what I believe prayer is. It is the ultimate conversation. And when you are in that ultimate conversation, just as I was with Rick, I could ask questions that a lot of people would love to know the answers to. And I could ask stuff and, and we could share stuff that I've always wanted to know this stuff. Same way with the ultimate conversation with God. You can go in there and ask secrets of the universe and they can be revealed to you. You can go in there, the weakest, weakest, weakest person and receive strength a hundred times all the strength combined in this room here. You can go in there with confusion, with sadness, with whatever and you can exchange that and receive power and joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a conversation with God. One of the verses that speaks about prayer, one of the guys who speaks about prayer more than anyone else is King David. And David was a great guy when it comes to prayer. And what I want to show you, when King David talks about prayer, we oftentimes have this rigid prayer equals. By our, on our knees, by our bed, hands folded like this, elbows up, say this, okay, then say this, then conclude with this, and that's that. We have this like, 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 like we have this box, like prayer fits inside, it's a formula. Do this, then this, and then this, and then this. All right? I want to show you how King David prayed. Look what King David says in Psalm chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. Sorry that it's not very good quality there. In the morning, I lay my request before you, wait in expectation. What do y'all notice about the way King David prayed? What's interesting about the way King David prayed? How would you characterize his prayer? Rigid? Structure? What does King David use to pray? I heard someone mouth it. King David, usually we think of prayer, use your words. What did King David use in addition to his words? Huh? Flutes? Might have used flutes on other occasions. Okay. But here, he said, give ear to my words, but also take note of my sighing. Did you know sighing could be a prayer? 
Sighing could be a prayer. Like a sigh. Uh, that could be a prayer. Why? Because what's prayer? Prayer is a conversation. And can you communicate in a conversation with sighing? Let's say, walk in my house today. Let's say my wife walks in my house today. All right, I go home. All right, it's Sunday, so I'm football. And she goes out and does stuff with the kids. And she comes home, end of the day. And I'm sitting there, my feet up on the couch, trash all over the place. I got Doritos on my beard, on my belly, all over the place. I spilled soda here. Like, the place is just a disaster. And she comes in and says, uh, does that communicate a feeling or a thing? Yeah, it communicates. Now let's say, let me flip it. Now let's say I give my wife a big hug, okay, with my masculine strong arms. All right, and I'm the knight in shining armor. All right, and I whisk her up like this. And I give her a strong hug and she says, ah. Does that side communicate stuff? Yeah. What King David shows us is that prayer doesn't have to be rigid. And to what my man Joshua said is that David did use instruments to communicate to God. And David used sighing. And David used groaning. And David used tears. And David used dancing, as we just sang in the psalm, to communicate to God. Because that's who David was. And the point here is, however God gave you to communicate, to conversate with Him, do it. Prayer doesn't have to be so rigid. Look at it in the Bible. Think about it in the Bible. How many people, we're going to go here, we're going to go outside the box prayer. How many different kinds of prayer are there in the Bible? How many different ways, different requests? Like David. All right, we said he cried, he moaned, he sang. Let's take someone like his son Solomon. How did Solomon pray to God? What did Solomon ask for when he prayed? Wisdom. Solomon was very logical. He says, look, I got a job to do. Solomon wasn't emotional with God the way David was. He was logical. He says, God, you asked me to do this job. I need wisdom to do this job. Give me wisdom. Paul was fiery. St. Paul wanted to go and preach the whole wide world. But St. Paul had this thorn in the flesh. So he would cry to God and beg God, get rid of this thorn in the flesh. Some people prayed for children. Some people prayed for wives. Okay? Abraham prayed, uh, please God, guide my servant to find a wife for my kid. There's as many requests and types of prayer as there are individuals. Forget the idea that prayer has to all look the same. You know who can understand this very well? Parents of two kids. If you got two kids, I guarantee you, those two children, they're different children. Do you relate with those two children in the same way? As a father, I got two kids. And I want to spend quality time with my kids. I want to have deep conversation with them. I discovered something about my kids even from a young age. They're as different as night and day. And one of them is like me, one of them is like my wife. One of them, what I started doing, what we started doing, is I spend individual time with each kid once a month. So I go out with, me and Michael have our meeting time, me and Lizzie have our date time. Right? And we go and we discuss very important issues. <laughs> Michael likes to talk. So with Michael, we go to Sweet Frog, we get ourselves two frozen yogurts, we sit down and we have a meeting together. And we discuss what's on his mind. He loves it. And we talk and we write down notes. I tell him it's like a meeting, so I gotta take down notes of all the stuff that he says. And he can talk and talk and talk and share stuff. 
He loves it. I tried that with Lizzie. Lizzie couldn't care less. <laughs> Lizzie wants to do stuff together. And she's like, okay, the meeting is fine, but hey, let's go to the, let's go ride bikes. Okay, we finished that. Okay, hey, Dad, remember we said we were going to pull the weeds? She likes to pull the weeds. That's her fun. Let's go pull the weeds. She also likes when we buy stuff together. Okay, so she's like, let's go eat dinner there, and let's go have ice cream there, and let's buy me this, and buy me that. And in the middle of the activities, stuff comes out. Stuff comes out. But sit her down and say, how are you feeling today? She doesn't want that. So as a father, I relate differently to each of my children based on their personalities. How many personalities are sitting right here in the room here today? We don't all have to follow the same structure of how prayer is supposed to look. The point of prayer is to conversate with God. Like I said, my conversation with my son goes this way. My son's conversation with my daughter goes this way. My conversation with you is there my conversation with you. Then my conversation with any one of you guys because our, our personalities are different. Some of you, you love to sing. People ask me, is it okay to sing in prayer? Sing, man. Sing to your heart's delight. You want to sing your prayer? Sing. God gave you the gift of singing? Sing, sing, sing. Others of you, you don't have the gift of singing. Don't sing. <laughs> don't have the gift. Don't do it. Okay. Maybe you're more talented in writing. Write. Write your prayers. Write, write, write. Type, type, type. Whatever it is. Some of you find taking a walk. That's you conversate. Go for it, man. Do what you got to do to conversate with God. We never want to get so married to the means that we lose the end. So with that said, prayer does, like prayer should take many different shapes and forms, but it still has to have a common core. And that's what I want to talk about right now. I already said you can have the different shapes of, of prayer and you can pray whatever many ways that you want to pray and where you conversate with God. But prayer does have certain elements that must be there and that we need to work on these elements. Four things. Number one, talk to God with gut-level honesty. Talk to God with gut-level honesty. I noticed that something happens when you ask someone to pray. They take on like a weird shape or form or voice. Hey, how's it going? How you doing? Everything is good. Prayer? All of a sudden, the words become, the voice goes high-pitched. The, 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 the accent becomes British somehow. Okay? Start using old English words. And it, who, you don't know who the person is. Like, we go into prayer, we put on a mask, and then we take it off and go on our normal life. We need to get rid of that. Okay, because that, that, God doesn't like that, that, that kind of stuff. Again, back to my kids' example. Imagine my kids at home with mom hanging out, playing, roughhousing, you know, messing around, joking, laughing. I roll in the driveway, and all of a sudden, everyone is at attention, okay, and starts using big words like thouist, okay, and, and like, while if you're not a dad, you may think that sounds cool, okay, it's not bad once or twice, but after a while, that's not your kids. That says something about me if my kids have to put on an act every time I walk in the house. Be yourselves. 
Y'all were, were, were beating each other up when mom was there. Beat each other up when I'm there. You know what I mean? Y'all were laughing. Y'all were joking. Y'all not beat each other up in a bad way. Meaning like, like, you know, like horse play and stuff like that. That's what I meant. <laughs> Don't change who you are when you pray. Be honest. If you're emotional, be emotional when you pray. If you're not emotional, don't try to fake it. If you're happy, be happy when you pray. If you're joyful, be joyful. If you're angry, be angry. Whoa. Be angry in prayer? Oh, I, I know, that's a bad one. <laughs> like, all the stuff you said is okay, that's okay. But be angry in prayer? That can't be right. Why? Who said? Who said being angry is, is wrong? If that's how you're feeling, be angry. Again, back to my kids. If my kids are angry at me, and they talk about it with each other, they talk about it with their friends at school, and they talk about it with their mom, I want them to talk with me about it as well. Which would you rather? Okay, I'm angry at you right now. I'm angry at one of you. Would you rather me come tell you about it, say, hey, what you did upset me, this, this, and that, and I'm upset, or you want me to talk to the whole wide world about it except you? Which would you prefer? You'd rather me come talk to you. So why would God be any different? Anger is not a bad emotion. Anger is actually the same as love. It's like two sides of the same coin. Because you can't be angry at someone that you don't love. Anger shows love. Anger shows love. It shows I care about you and what you did upset me and I don't want to be upset at you so help me fix this situation. In uh, Exodus chapter 5, show you that it's okay to, to pray angry. In Exodus chapter 5, Moses, who was a close friend of God, said the following. It says, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Sorry. I need to work on that. Why was Moses here? Moses was angry. Hey, what's going on, God? I trust you. I did what you told me to do. This is what happens. Everyone's angry. They hate me. Pharaoh ain't budging. Come on, God. He was angry. Is that bad? No, it shows love. It shows intimacy. Better to talk to God about it than talk to the whole world about it. Now, with that said, we should always be respectful of God. We should be reverent in prayer. I'm not saying be irreverent and disrespectful. But if you're upset, say, I'm upset. Say, God, I prayed for healing and I didn't get it. And I'm kind of upset. Say, I prayed for my situation at work and it's not working. What's going on, God? Like, asking God those things is not bad. It's honest. It's bad if it's not honest. It's bad if it's not honest. But anything honest isn't bad. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus spoke to his disciples about prayer. And he said, don't be like the Pharisees. And there's only two things that Jesus ever said don't do in prayer. Two things. Y'all know what he said? Two things to never do in prayer. Matthew 6, verse 5 and 7. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. That's one. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Two things Jesus said don't do. Don't be showy and don't be long. <laughs> Every husband, this is your favorite one right here. No many words, okay? He said, don't be showy, don't, meaning inauthentic. Don't say something that isn't true. Don't say it just so whatever people see, whatever. Don't be inauthentic. And don't take too much time, okay? 
I'm not saying he's saying to pray short, but I'm saying he's saying hey, you're welcome to pray short, okay? That you don't have to be long to be good. We use gut level honesty when we pray. Number two, talk to God about everything that matters. Tying in with the authentic theme, with the honest theme. Talk to God about everything that matters. Big things, little things, trivial things, whatever kind of things. Talk to God about everything that matters. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. In everything. Okay, let's be honest. Sometimes people say like, okay, I got this dumb request. This is silly. This is dumb. Do I really pray about this? Like, I don't know, what's the dumbest thing you can think of? I don't want to say it because if I say it, then someone may be like, that's what I'm praying for. <laughs> the dumbest thing that you can think of. The most dumbest thing. All right? The most dumbest thing. They'd be like, that's dumb. I can't go to God with that. Parents. I keep using the parent analogy because it's so easy to see it here. My kids may care about something dumb. Something dumb. Like the example, like I remember when we had that, uh, uh, we had that uh, snow, big snow several years ago, all right, and we built snowmen, okay. My kid was really, like, remember, it was like forever snow. So we built a snowman at the beginning because it was like so cold forever. The snowman lasted like a month or two months or whatever it was. Like it, the world record for snowman longevity, all right. We set it in our backyard. Alright, and then when the snowman eventually melted, my kid was upset. Alright? He was upset. Like the thing melted. That's dumb, okay? <laughs> like that's that's not really anything to really be upset about. Like it's just a snowman. But it was a major concern to me. Why? You don't need to be a parent to figure this out. Why did that bother me? Because it bothered him. I don't care about the snowman. I care about him being sad. And if the snowman makes him sad, I care about the snowman. God doesn't care about the snowman in our lives. But if the snowman makes us sad, God cares about the snowman because God cares about us. And no dad wants to see his kid crying there or sad or upset. And if work is upsetting you, then God is concerned about work. Man, if you've got a headache that's bothering you and it's really bothering you, God cares. If your foot hurts, if the traffic light is annoying you, if whatever it is that's bothering you, pray about it. Because prayer is not a formal communication to the Almighty. It's conversating with God. <clears throat> Y'all know this verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Cast all your care upon Him. This baby, this is you, and this is me, and that's God. Is there anything that this father, I assume this father, yeah, father, anything that this father Anything this child would be feeling that the father would be like, suck it up. Anything that the father would be like, get over it. What's wrong with you? Anything? That's us. I'm telling you, the difference between that father and that baby, make him a boy, that boy in that picture, that difference, father and child, is actually much closer than the difference between you and God. Meaning, you are much more like 
fragile in God's hands than even this baby is in, in that dad's hands. More fragile. And more he cares about. Is this making you comfortable? Is this upsetting you? Anything. Cast all your care upon him where he cares for you. <laughs> Number three. We talk to God continually. We talk to God continually. Alright, now watch out. This, now, you get this, this can revolutionize your prayer life. Watch me on this one. Because when I figured this one out, revolutionized my prayer life. There's a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, where the Bible says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you. Pray without ceasing. Yeah, anyone ever read the book, The Way of the Pilgrim? Anyone ever read that book? Okay, a couple hands, not too many. The Way of the Pilgrim is one of the first spiritual books I ever read. And it's all about a guy who found this verse, Pray Without Ceasing, and he wanted to discover how to do it. Great book, I love it. But it messed me up at the time. Because I wasn't ready for it. And basically, the whole point of the book is that you should pray forever without ceasing. And obviously, the book isn't like, it's saying like how you can discover that. So the guy takes like a journey to discover how you can do that. This book messed me up. Because like I said, I'm not good at prayer. So what I would try to do is be like, okay, I read this, pray without ceasing. I'm not going to go without ceasing. But I'm going to go an hour. Watch out. I'm going to pray for an hour. Everyone watch out. Get out of my way. Schedule the time. I'll single at the time. Nothing to do in life. I'm going to pray for an hour. And here I am. Like I said, I'm all psyched to go and I'm ready and I'm going to pray for an hour. Get out of my way. I'm going to pray without ceasing for one hour. And you get there and you're praying. All right? And you're thanking and you're praising and your psalms over here. Boom. Request over there. Prayer list here. And you're praying and you're praying and you're praying. You look at the clock and it's been... Six minutes. All right, you're praying. And you keep on going. All right, and you get out everything that you can get out. Seven minutes. And I think I got to about 12 minutes, and I realized, like, I ain't no way I'm going to make it an hour. So I'd pack up shop and go watch something on TV or something like that is, I think, what I did. Because what I realized is that I'm not good at long prayer. I'm not. I, I'm not saying to be proud of it. I'm saying I'm good at some things. I'm not good at other things. All right? Since I talked about my kids and my wife, I'll talk about my wife is much better than me at long prayers. I'm better than her at a lot of things, okay? But one of the things is she's better than me. She's better at long prayers. And she knows that when we pray together, her best bet, keep it, okay? Okay? To keep me engaged, all right? I'm not good at it. Other people are better than me at that. But does that mean that I'm not supposed to pray without ceasing? Enter this guy. This guy. Smith Wigglesworth is his name. That's a real name. Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth apparently had prayer ADD like me, or we can say the Wiggles, since his name was Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth revolutionized my prayer life. He was a British like missionary guy back in the early 1900s. And he said the following, or it's said about him, that he never prayed for more than 20 minutes at a time. But he never went more than 20 minutes without praying. 
Read that one again. He never prayed for more than 20 minutes at a time. But he never meant went more than 20 minutes without praying. I'm not saying I'm up at Wigglesworth's level. But the concept is revolutionary. Because what this says is, instead of long stretches of prayer, go for short spurts and try to go for frequency as opposed to distance. Like try to be a sprinter and do many sprints as opposed to run marathons when it comes to prayer. What does that mean practically? That means, I'll tell you some ideas that I try to incorporate into my prayer life. And again, I'm not perfect, but I'll tell you, you know, maybe something that you can benefit from. First thing, you wake up in the morning, first thought, go to God. First thought. First thought, go to God. After the alarm, go to God. Thank you, God, for this day. Please, God, let me live this day, glorify you. Let me get to the end of this day and make a smile on your face. Not a long prayer. Not a long prayer. But start with God. Boom. As you're going through your events of the day, okay, me, as I'm driving to wherever I'm going in the morning, I think through my day, but I try to pray through my day. Got this appointment with so-and-so. Please, God, let that go smooth. I uh, got a meeting with this. Please, God, let me be inspired by you. So when I'm speaking that meeting, it's not just me inventing stories, but it's like you leading me. God, I am, I'm meeting with this person today, and I know that person's struggling in their marriage, and I know they're having a tough time. God, like, help them. So, you see what I'm saying? Pray through your day. As you are entering your house, maybe, you say, God, please let me not just to be great in the office, but let me be a leader in this home. Let me be like a godly man in this home. You know where else I use this? I'll confess. When people say, pray for me. All right? You know how many people say, pray for me? All right? And I'd be lying if I said I took down all the names and spent three hours a day praying for you. I'd be lying if I said that. But what I do is, um, you stand right there, pray for me. Maybe as I see you approach, I say a prayer for you. Or when you say, pray for me as you're walking away, I may lift up my heart to God and pray for you right there on the spot. I'd be great. I might try to remember you later. I'm not saying I don't pray for anyone after that. But what I'm saying is I'm not going to rely on remembering it later. Someone's approaching me for confession. As they're walking into the aisle, I'm praying. Please, God, inspire me to say the right thing that you want for this person or inspire me to shut up so I don't mess up this person. You see what I'm saying? Wigglesworth is the one who came up with the concept. Never prayed for more than 20 minutes at a time, but never went more than 20 minutes without praying. So, the way we will pray, we will pray honestly, no mask. We will pray about everything that matters to us because we're God's kids and if it matters to me, it matters to my daddy. We will pray continually. You go long spurts, good for you. You can't, go short spurts. Go Wigglesworth. All right? Pray, get in, pray, get on to the next activity. Get back into prayer, keep on going throughout your day that way. But then fourth, and this one is so important, that please, don't do prayer without making sure that you listen for a response. I feel like so many times we... Y'all know what ding-dong ditch is? Okay, ding-dong ditch. We do that to God. You know what that means? This is where you go, we, like other kids, used to do this in junior high. All right, you go to the neighbor, you ring the doorbell and you run away. You know what I mean? And some bad kids would leave like a package on the front step. Okay. As so I've heard, right? We do that to God. We're like, okay, God's not looking. Okay, God, please bless my manager. Please bless my work. See you later. And we go away before he's had a chance to even, even understand what we just said. 
and we go, and we ding dong, and then we run away. Maybe we leave uh, a, a note there for him, and we just leave it, okay? Relax. What's the rush? What's the rush? I already said prayer is conversating. How would the conversation be? Every time I see you, hey, do this. And hey, don't forget to do that. And uh, um, let's, let's go to the wife one since we're on a roll with the wife today, okay? Um, I need you to pick up milk on the way home. Uh, I need you to do the kids' homework. I need you to uh, uh, mow the lawn. Take out the trash. Um, tell me that you love me. Um, stop watching TV. If that was the way marriage was working, some of the husbands are like, yeah, isn't that the way it is? <laughs> That's not the way it's supposed to be, gentlemen. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's conversating, okay? I say some things to you. You say some things to me. I respond back to you. You respond back to me. It's conversating. That's why prayer is the great conversation, the ultimate conversation. In order for any relationship to, to be meaningful, there must be two-way communication. Go to any relationship in life. If the communication is one way, it is not a significant relationship or, or, or it's not significant in your life. It's not meaningful. Listen for God's response. How do we do that? What's listen for God's response mean? Do I expect like thunder and lightning? Do I expect like earthquake? How does God respond? Write it in the sky with those planes? How's God going to respond? Y'all remember the story of Elijah? When Elijah wanted to hear the voice of God? And remember, how did God speak to Elijah? Remember, there was an earthquake and God, or Elijah thought God was in the earthquake, not in the earthquake. There was a wind. Elijah said, okay, I'll hear God through the wind. God said, no, not through the wind. Then the fire, not through the fire. And then God spoke through a still, small voice. Y'all heard that story before. How do y'all feel about that? God speaks through still, small voice. It's kind of annoying, isn't it? Let's be honest. Since we're confessing everything, let's be honest. We hate that. That's annoying. Speak loud. Loud and clear. Put it in writing if you don't mind. Billboards. Neon. Okay? Why does God speak through still, small voice? I'm not saying God won't speak loud. I'm not saying that. He would. He might. But it's definitely not the preferred choice. And if God does speak loud to you, it's usually not good. Okay? It's usually like me telling my kid, hey, if you don't mind, do this. But then when the voice gets louder, it's usually not good. So I'm not saying God won't speak loud, but I'm saying that's not his preferred means. His preferred means is still a small voice. Why? Why? Why does God like to speak through whispers? Why? What happens right now as I whisper like this? Those who want to listen to me, listen, and those who weren't really paying attention didn't hear a word I just said. Whispering forces you to choose to listen. If I speak loud and obnoxious, you have no choice. You're going to hear me, you're going to hear me. The people in the street are going to hear me. But if I whisper, then only those who want to hear it will hear it. And what God is saying is, I'm going to speak. Do you want to hear it? Show me that you want to hear it. God is testing us. Do you want to hear it? If you want to hear it, lean in. So when someone whispers, you got to... Shh. you got to turn down some other stuff to hear the whisper. you got to get rid of some of the distractions. you got to lean in. you got to focus. That's what God wants to see. But if you do, you make no mistake about it. God will speak. Deuteronomy 4.29 You will seek the Lord your God and you will find Him if you seek Him with all your heart, with all your soul. That's a... Circle, star, underline, memorize, highlight, glue it to the forehead of your face. You seek, you seek with all your heart, you lean in, 
you listen, you say, what God? I can't hear you God, I want to hear you God. You think God won't speak? Think God will hide from his children? You think that you could honestly, honestly and sincerely say, God, I want to hear you more than anything else in the world. I, I, I don't, I don't want to hear, I want to hear you more than anything else. You think God would be like, tough, sorry, come back tomorrow. You think that? What dad would do that? Our problem is we don't really seek it. We're just kind of like, okay, God, you get a chance, ding dong, all with our day. But you seek God's voice. God will speak. And how he'll speak? I don't know. He'll speak through a Bible verse. He'll speak through an email. He may not speak at that moment, but if you're earnestly seeking it, he'll speak. Speak through your gut. He'll speak through your friend. Speak through your mom. Speak through your dad. Speak through me here on a Sunday when I say something random that I didn't even mean to say. God will speak. If you seek it, you'll find it. But you got to seek it. you got to listen for it. And you got to say, God, I don't know what to do here, and I'm not going to make any decision until I hear from you. And then you go around your day, and you're seeking it, and I promise you, God will speak to you. You read your Bible. You say your prayers. You go to church. God will find a way. He always finds a way. I remember one time, I was, uh, I was driving to uh, Charlottesville. A couple hours away, I was going to pray a liturgy over there for our students at University of Virginia. And I was late. Not because I was late, but because I was stupid. Because I got in the car, and I just started driving, and I didn't think of where I was driving to. So I started driving. We have this retreat center, okay, which is 6681 South. Okay? So I just somehow I got in the car, and I was just in retreat mode, so I just kept on going on 66, all the way until I got to 81. I got to 81, I'm like, where the heck am I going? Because I was supposed to go down 29, which was like 30 miles back. So I was originally 15 minutes ahead. Now I'm like a half hour late. So that means I turn around and I'm the priest of the liturgy like it's all waiting for me. They can't start the show until I walk in. So I start gunning it down the highway. You know what I mean? And You know what I mean? Like praying and I'm gunning it down the highway. And then as I'm driving, I see a card on the side of the road that like, I mean, it was all kind of quick. I don't know if it spun out right in front of me on the other side. So I'm going this way and it was this way. So it kind of happened quick, and it kind of spun and spun to the side, and it was Saturday morning at like 7 in the morning, so there wasn't many people on the road. I have this thing about cars on the side of the road. I like to help people on the side of the road, not because I'm the nicest guy, but because anytime I go away out of town, my wife, my lovely wife, always has car problems on the side of the road, and lovely strangers always help her out, so I feel like I'm helping somebody else's wife out, all right? The funny thing is when I go and they see me and sometimes they get a little scared, but that's why I don't do it at night anymore. I used to do it at night, okay? At night, I don't do it. Because I just see black and the eyes come and it's, it's, not, it's not the most reassuring thing. Anyway, so I see this and I'm like, but I'm late for the liturgy. And I want to, but it's on the other side. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Honestly, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I, I want to help the person, but I'm late for the liturgy. What's the right thing to do? And I'm like, God, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, ah. And I shut up for one second, and the radio was on playing, and the song was, okay, there's a song on the radio that says, all you got to do is turn around. That was the song playing. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, what should I do? And it's, all you got to do is turn around, turn around, turn around. And I'm like, what do you want me to do, God? Please speak to me. How come you won't speak to me? You know what I mean? And it just repeats, turn around, turn around, turn around. So I'm like, ah. Uh. Turned around, very late for the liturgy, but who cares? I'm happy to be late for that liturgy because I knew I was doing what God wanted me to do. I don't care. Then you say uh, you're not punctual. I don't care because I knew I was doing what God wanted me to do. Because God wanted me to turn around. Anyway, the point of that story is, 
You seek, God answers. You knock, God opens. You ask, you receive. This is the rule of the Bible, and it's the rule of prayer. Bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is we have been given a great privilege in prayer. Prayer is a privilege. Prayer is an honor. Prayer is, ah, I can't see that verse very well, but what it says is, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me is what he says. Call to me and I'll show you stuff and I'll give you stuff that you didn't even know was possible. Your homework for this week. That's right, you got homework. You need to evaluate your prayer life. And you need to see where you need improvement. You do need improvement. Remember all the hands that went up in the beginning? You need improvement. Where? Are you not being honest with God? You're not giving God enough time? Are you not listening? Are you not praying about stuff that you feel is like inconsequential and insignificant? Where do you need to improve your prayer life? Next week, we're going to continue. We're going to continue for the next couple weeks and start talking about some different aspects of prayer that again will hopefully open our eyes to new things. But I need everyone to evaluate your prayer life and start to practice what we spoke about. Okay? Start to practice the area that you need to, uh, to work on in your prayer life. Alright, ladies and gentlemen? Let's stand for a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when God, Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this message that you gave us today. We know, Lord, that today you're giving us like an invitation to your throne room, to, to the room where you sit on your throne of glory and all the universe is in the palm of your hand. And you invite us to come to be with you there, Lord. Lord, let, let us never to, to see prayer as a duty or an obligation or something we're forced to do, but something that we are ever so privileged to be part of. Help us to be real people of prayer. Like David was a, per, was, was, was a man of prayer. Don't let it just be something we talk about, something that we really start to practice. Let us to encourage one another, Lord, to become better at it and to grow more in, in, in our lives of prayer, whether it's with our spouses, with our friends, or in our, in our room alone by ourselves. We want to be, Lord, not people who, who, who view prayer as something as like an obligation, but... We really take refuge in that time and we find strength and help from you and from your hand directly. Pray that you would help each person with whatever area they're struggling with, Lord, and, and make us a, a true church of prayer. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.